SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to the Underdog Podcast, your home for AAC football, your home for G5 football. This is obviously the AAC portion of the Underdog Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Broback. Joining me as always is Dan Morrison. And we're uh, we're trying to get Dan out the door here. Dan's driving 13 hours for some reason. He thinks that's fun, I guess, uh, driving to New York. Uh, Dan, I don't know why you're doing that, but uh, we're going to try to get you out here quick. Yeah, I got family to visit, so we are going to enjoy the drive overnight. I don't know if you can enjoy an overnight drive, but you definitely will try your best, I guess. Uh, we we're going to we're going to recap the uh, well, here, here's what we're going to give you a little bit of a schedule today. We're going to look at the NFL draft. Obviously, that happened. The AAC had another good draft, a couple surprises, uh, both good and bad. And then we're going to be off for a little while. One of us is uh, buying a house, so that would be me. So I will not be as available. And uh, so we're just going to take a little bit of a break. But once we're done with uh, that break, we're going to dive right into some team previews, look ahead to the 2021 season, because before we know it, it's going to be here. And I think that's just insane to think about. And you know, the, the first thing we'll talk about today, a little bit of sad news. Uh, Hawaii quarterback Colt Brennan passed away. Uh, and, and if you watch college football for a while, you know what Colt Brennan means to the sport. Uh, Dan and I both talked about Colt and what he meant in terms of really a lot of things. You know, there's there's the underdog aspect of it. There's the thing, struggles that he went through, the records that he put up, all kinds of things. But Dan, what's one thing that you're going to – or maybe the biggest thing to you that you're going to remember about him and that you'll miss? Yeah, I mean – I just remember being, I was about 10 years old when this 2006 season happened for not to age myself for everyone to take a little math lesson on. Uh, but it was legitimately like sneak into the living room after like your family went to bed and stay up past what I was allowed to, to watch the Hawaii football team play until like two, three in the morning. And to this day, I still do watch Hawaii every single week, like clockwork, no matter how late they're on. So, I mean, he made me really like that team. He made, he also gave me this like deeper appreciation for the not at the time, non BCS teams than I had, because I think I've mentioned it on here before, but I grew up a Notre Dame fan primarily. So, you know, it was just a a whole new world of football that he opened up in a lot of ways for me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough because he it was kind of the beginning that 2007 season was really weird just in general you know usf mm-hmm. got all the way to number two and hawaii played georgia in the was it the sugar bowl sugar. it was the yeah. sugar bowl and it, it was one of those times where it was the beginning of the underdog doing something that you hadn't seen before and hawaii could ball like that was a fun team to watch and when i went back and watched Colt brennan highlights i just you just sit there and you're like, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. And I think we've lost sight of that. And this is the reason why I wanted to bring it up, obviously to give Colt Brennan his due, because a lot of people have good things to say about his career at Hawaii. But when you look at underdogs and the AAC is one of those underdogs, they don't get the recognition they deserve, even though a lot of people watch them. Cause there's a lot of people that, 
a lot of fans, a lot of media members that will watch underdogs play. But then all of a sudden, when it comes to postseason, they're like, oh, well, we only want the best. It's like, well, why are you wasting your time during the season with teams you don't actually care about? And honestly, to me, college football is, yeah, I mean, finding the best team to win, great, that's fine. But to me, college football is more about the experience. And part of that experience is the underdogs ruining everything for the favorites. And even if they don't, just watching those teams, you know, watching the Hawaii's, watching the UCF's, watching the Houston's, watching, I mean, even a couple, few years ago, you look at Western Kentucky and Louisiana Tech and when they were going back and forth and scoring a ton of points, those are things that I will remember. Honestly, you, you look at Hawaii, like I remember the Hawaii team more, like how many people do you think outside of Georgia remember that Georgia team? Not as many as that remember the Hawaii team. I'm trying to remember. Was that Matthew Stafford's Georgia team that they I played? think it was. But was like, that they, you know, 2007, you think but, about Hawaii and you're like, oh, yeah, Colt Brennan. There's not even a hesitation. Exactly. The point is I have to go, I think Stafford was on that team. Who was the running back? You was know, it no Sean really, Moreno? It was no Sean Moreno now that you say it. But like to the point, though, is you can name three or four of the wide receivers on that Hawaii team, just snap them off. Devon Best, Ryan Grice-Mullen, you know, guys like that who – we're not exactly great NFL players after that, but they were so much fun to watch in college, partially because of that uh, system June Jones ran the run and shoot, partially because of the cultural impact that whole, that Hawaii team had on the Hawaiian islands. You know, the, when they had Aloha stadium going and it was just, it was this other world of college football, especially for someone on the East coast of the United States who, like I said, grew up very much being told, you know, you root for Notre Dame or maybe Boston College, you know, that type of thing. One thing those fan bases have in common is they like to sit on their hands at games. You're not really encouraged to stand up and shout. It's we're, it's a quieter fan base. Uh, you know, it was just so much fun to see that other world that you could have of all this, you know, the coach on the sidelines wearing an Aloha shirt. What don't you love about that? Exactly. It brought a different dynamic to the game and it's something that I always appreciated because it makes it more fun and that's really what I'm there for is to have a good time and if that means the best team wins, then that's great. But if it means that a team that nobody usually pays attention to is the team everyone's talking about, then I don't see the problem with that. Honestly, I'm just there to have a good time and if, I, if I'm entertained, then, then I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough. Colt Brandon was so fun to watch you know he he was one of the originators of swag with the visor and the long sleeves and the wristbands and uh, you know mm-hmm. i wish hawaii would bring those those gray jerseys back because oh, those yeah. were some of their best yeah hawaii's got a lot of good jerseys in the history and i don't love the current like all black look that they break out a lot i prefer when they go with the greens and the grays or even the throwback to when they have the rainbow on the helmet mm-hmm. but yeah those all gray ones are real good yeah, it's it was uh, it was a, a different era for that Hawaii team, and obviously, you know, I went back and when I was watching the highlights too, this the stadium was full at every mm-hmm. game that they were at, and obviously that has been it's been a while since that's happened, but the, yeah. it was just they fun don't even to watch have that stadium anymore. Well, right, yeah, and it, even when they were playing there, it was just super empty, and it, it's just going to be different. And obviously, Cole Brennan is, it wasn't playing football anymore when he passed away, but he's always going to be someone that we talk about f- forever. So um, rest in peace to him. Uh, prayers out to his family through this tough time, obviously. 
I wanted to just talk about that because he deserves that on any podcast that's being recorded this week or in the future when you're talking about quarterbacks. And speaking of quarterbacks, we're going to move on to uh, some news that we got out this week, and that is Arch Manning. And if the name sounds familiar, it's the nephew of – see, here's the thing that I don't know. I know it's it's Peyton Manning's nephew. I, I don't know if Eli has kids or Cooper has kids or whatever, but I don't know who he belongs to, but he's a Manning. He's the number one quarterback in the class of 2023, and he listed teams that he's going to visit, and they included – Clemson, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and SMU. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show that SMU with NIL coming, their boosters have experience in getting money out to players. <laughs> and I think it's working so far for them. Oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, you look at what what Sonny Dykes is doing, and, you know, he brings Tanner Mordecai, a former four-star from Oklahoma. He signs Preston Stone, a four-star out of high school yeah. and now he's got the top recruit from 2023 coming into campus so he's obviously yeah. doing something right oh, yeah and i mean first off that offense is so much fun to play in if you're a quarterback that's what other type of offense would you really want to be in and something like that um and i made a joke about the nil stuff but honestly dallas is going to be smu is going to be a good place to play for nil i think they're going to benefit a lot once that However, it comes whenever it does come. How I think they'll benefit. You're in Dallas. You do have a pretty rich booster base. You know, there's room to do pretty well for yourself there. Oh, I agree. And uh, SMU is going to benefit. Houston's going to benefit. UCF's going to benefit. You know, there's a lot of teams yeah, in the, the AAC that benefit. Houston cities are going to yep. do well because you can kind of do your best to border up the city. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I wonder. My thing with Arch Manning and. I want to say he's Cooper's kid, but I don't know for sure either. I'm not. He's so a man. Well That's all we know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that well versed in the family tree. Uh, I'm wondering if he's really the number one quarterback in the country or if his last name's Manning and he's really more like the number 10 or 15 quarterback in the country. He's probably number if, one because it's 2023, which is not till not for two years. Yeah. So it's probably just like, well, let's put a big name up top so, and then go from there. Yeah. So yeah, he's going into his junior year then. Of high right. school. Yeah, right. So it's like he could, so we're he talking could about like a 15 year old now. develop a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with him one way or the other in terms of his actual talent. But still, when we're talking about, I mean, you listed off the other schools he's visiting. Uh, interestingly enough, no Tennessee or Ole Miss on the list, but uh, they're all those premier blue blood, blue blood programs. Uh, and SMU is a clear outlier, so hopefully it does mean that they're going to be pushing for him. And well, we already mentioned they are getting top quarterbacks already, so hopefully that means SMU is here to stay longer term. Yeah, Sunny Dice is obviously doing a lot of good things so far, and I thought this year was going to be exciting, but this was a sign that the long term is in good hands if he's around there mm-hmm. at least. And we'll keep with the quarterback theme. So we talked about we're going to talk about the NFL draft. Well, this will be kind of what we end with today. It's the longer stretch of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks were obviously the talk of the first round. They were the talk yeah. of coming into the draft. It was Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields were primarily the big ones. But then as draft season went on, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State and Mac Jones from Alabama got more recognition and – the biggest controversy was at three where mm-hmm. the 49ers are picking 
and a lot of people didn't really know what they were going to do. I guess what I'll ask is this. Did you ever think that Mac Jones was going to go third overall? I know you're happy at where he fell, but like, did you think he was ever going to go third? It depends on how much you believe the reports. I could believe that someone would be silly enough to take him third because whatever ridiculous reason the NFL has for doing things the NFL does. Did I ever think he was the third best quarterback in that class? No, no, I didn't. I I never thought that Justin Fields should have fallen out of number two, basically either. I know Zach Wilson had a great year last year, but Justin Fields was better than Zach Wilson. He has been better than Zach Wilson for years now. And that's just my opinion. Uh, So I, I didn't see a reason why you would take Mac Jones that high when there was multiple quarterbacks who have bigger arms, have more accurate arms. We're not necessarily maybe anticipating as much as he was and maybe have a little bit more room to grow, but the upside's so much higher with them. So no, I didn't think Mac Jones was, I don't think he would have been a good pick at number three. I think it's the best way to put this. Could I believe that Kyle Shanahan fell in love with a guy? Yeah. It happens all the time. But Right. Yeah. And I think that Mac Jones is obviously very talented and I think he'll do well with the Patriots there, but I just, it was just, I don't know, draft season's so weird because it's these NFL people who like all of a sudden think they've like mastered who these college quarterbacks are after watching them for like four months. And that's stuff like that happens all the The, time. I I know I just briefly spoke on, I don't understand what happened with Justin Fields sliding. He he came into the last season as the clear one-two with Trevor Lawrence. And there's people who would even maybe go like, hey, I think Justin Fields, you know, and whispers might be better than Trevor Lawrence. And then he went out and was just as good, if not better than Trevor Lawrence on the field. And people said, actually, he's an Ohio State quarterback, which you know what that means, as if it means anything, which it doesn't. Uh, so does that mean we can trust him? Probably not. Plus, look, he only ever had to read to up to two or three guys because they're so open. He was just so much better than everyone else. You can't trust it. And it just doesn't make sense. They... I don't know. It, him falling in the draft top to bottom didn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I I think the biggest things that were knocks on him were what you said. He's an Ohio State quarterback, and then it was this like this narrative that he's a one read quarterback, and I just don't yeah. get that. And it's tough because First up. if if they didn't play last year, which Justin Fields was an advocate for the Big Ten to play, mm-hmm. if he doesn't do that and doesn't play, he goes two to the Jets. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, and I mean, the Jets, I think, fell in love with Zach Wilson, which, you know, you're talking about guys who never had someone covered all season. I know Wilson made some great throws, but he was playing against some pretty weak competition. And a year before, he was not that good. So do you really buy that one year's production over two, three years of Justin Fields that we've seen? I don't think you should. Right. I, I just I think that everybody tries to get a hot take in. They try to just overthink things and and you get stuff like Justin Fields falling to 13 for the Bears. And one of my buddies is a big Bears fan. I know he's super happy about getting no, <laughs> Justin I, Fields there. Yeah, I wanted the Patriots to trade up, but they were it's not in their DNA to trade up. It right. just doesn't. Yeah, it's the only time it's I can just, remember uh, them doing it in the first was for Gerard Mayo. Right. That's, yeah. That's uh well, real real quick, we'll talk about this, and then we'll kind of dive into more AAC stuff. Besides the quarterbacks, because obviously that was the talk of, of the first round or really of the draft, were there any big surprises in the draft? Because to me, real quick, 
I didn't really feel like it was anything super outlandish outside of those quarterbacks. I mean, there were some picks that were stretches, but no. do you think there were no. really any big surprises? No, the quarterbacks were the story. I thought that Cincinnati at number five overall, I know that Chase and Burrow, it's going to be exciting to have them together, but Burrow can't throw to any wide receiver if he's laying on his back. And so I think it was a mistake not to go Penesul for them. I mean, but that wasn't a huge surprise if you were paying attention to what the rumors were. Rumors were they were going Sewell or Chase. So, no, it, it, there's a couple stretches. I thought that actually uh, Peyton and Turner, not to dive into the AAC too quickly, I thought him being a first-round pick was the biggest surprise of the first round, uh, at least to me. Uh, later in the draft, you know, it's harder to pick out a huge surprise. The guy was taking at 150 instead of 165, you know. No, there were, it was a pretty standard draft. I think that comes with the territory of a weird tricated season last year. Not a lot of movement was had. A lot of guys went back, especially from the group of five who uh, may have gone pro in a different year, but are taking their extra year now. So and I don't think there's any major surprises. Yeah, like, I mean, we agree there. And I, we can just dive right in. We'll, we'll just jump right in the AC because you mentioned Turner. I I heard a lot of people say that they thought that he was a stretch at 28 to, to the Saints, but I also think that you're getting a guy who's still pretty raw at his position. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really developed when Major Apple was there. And, you know, shout out to Dana Holgerson's staff. Brian, Brian Early is one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. He's going to have another great group of guys. And he really made Turner into what mm-hmm. he is. And so while Turner is still raw, there are still things that he's developed. So it's not like you're getting a completely raw prospect, but at the same time, yeah, I, I can see why people think he is a stretch just because, like you said, you're you're kind of just, just guessing at this point. I think you could have gotten him in the second round, like towards the end of the second it, round. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think anybody was like jumping at the bit to get – him at 28 and i think the saints were just like oh we have to take him and maybe yeah kinda... i think they probably could have traded down got him but you know uh that's their i mean i don't think he's a bad pick necessarily uh i just think that it was too high up for a guy who had a good pro day and is undoubtedly a great athlete but still like you mentioned pretty raw at the position right yeah and uh we'll talk about the so we had two first round picks for the aac Turner was one, and earlier at pick 16, Arizona selected Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. And I think the best thing about that, and this is always one of my favorites, is when they show the phone calls on both sides, and mm-hmm. you get to hear both sides. And it, I'm not going to repeat the words that were said because this is some explicit <laughs> language, but it, you know what? It's It was super emotional, and it was very, very... It, unscripted and just it was organic and it was honestly it was really really cool to hear collins just say what he said and basically guarantee a super bowl for arizona which by the way you get zayvon collins on a defense that has jj watt you're going to learn a lot of things from jj watt and and, you know that offense too we won't go into that too much but that offense is insane yeah, I don't know. I mean, not to get too into the NFL predictions, but I don't know if Arizona is a playoff team, but they're an interesting team. They got a lot of athletes on that team, both sides of the ball. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them. Does it come together? I don't know. I don't love Cliff Kingsbury still, but uh, <laughs> I think it'll also be interesting to see him play next to Isaiah Simmons too. Yeah, two players that are very versatile, but can they play 
and consistently and can they be in, in a think, spot where they are successful at that, those positions so i mentioned before i'm sure i write for a notre dame website as well i was in a group chat with them we were kind of discussing during the draft like why is uh jeremiah usukoromo the notre dame linebacker falling turns out he's got a medical condition that popped up before the draft not really the point of this but we were discussing that it could be that NFL teams are still a little slower to move towards using a rover type position, a guy who can play linebacker or safety. I think that, you know, a little slower to move into a base six man front as well, either three, three, five or four, two as your base. Uh, and we were talking, I think Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons makes a great uh, linebacking core for a four, two base. You've got Collins who really can go sideline to sideline and you've got Simmons who can kick out and cover pretty much anyone. So I think that's a good combination if they want to move to something like that. Yeah, it's definitely gives them options to be versatile on defense and to be multiple with mm-hmm. guys that can, you know, they can play in the trenches, but they can also, like you said, run sideline to sideline. They can drop back in coverage, do a lot of things that you would need a couple of guys to do, but you can do that all with just two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick before we dive into the other players here, uh, we had, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams from the AAC have players selected. UCF led the way with five, Cincinnati with four. Houston was third with three. Tulane and SMU were tied with two. And then Tulsa, ECU, and Memphis were at one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really think there's anything that surprising there. Um, the no, one the thing, numbers make sense, yeah. The numbers make sense based off where you were they finished um houston obviously just has talent and they also got the last pick of the draft in grant stewart to tampa bay so that gives them the three but uh the biggest thing that i wanted to talk about here that's maybe not the biggest thing the most surprising thing within the aac is that it's not surprising that smu had two players drafted it's the fact that they had a cornerback drafted first yeah yeah, I was when I saw that happen. I was just, well, I mean, again, it's SMU. You're in Dallas. You're going to get athletes there, but just the amount that that team struggles on defense, you don't think of them as the place that's going to produce a lot of NFL talent on that side of the ball. And of course, I'm saying that after UCF just put three DBs into the NFL in this draft, and they were as open to letting up touchdowns as anyone that was in the in the conference last year. So. I think it goes to show that one great player doesn't make a great defense on defense. You need to work as a unit. You need to be put in a position to succeed. It isn't just being faster or stronger than your opponent. Yeah, hundred percent. And we're going to see that again this year with SMU because they have guys that are talented, but I don't necessarily know if they have what it takes to put together a complete defense. And obviously Mm -hmm. that's the opposite on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we saw, you know, we we heard all about the UCF defensive backs heading mm-hmm. into the draft, and you know, some thought that maybe Richie Grant and Aaron Robinson could sneak into the first round. Maybe Tay Gowan would be drafted higher. Obviously, mm-hmm. Gowan slipped to the sixth round, but he goes to Arizona to join Zayvon Collins, and then mm-hmm. Richie Grant goes to Atlanta, and Aaron Robinson goes to the Giants. I'm just excited that all three of those guys got drafted. And I think maybe Gowan sitting out hurt him, but it, he yeah, still got it, drafted. It definitely cost him to slide because he only had really one year on tape. And it was 
a year ago. So how has he developed? You don't really know what's his, has he slowed down? Has he gotten better? Hard to say, but I think Arizona is a pretty good landing spot for him. Uh, with corners, it's one of those things where as long as you can, you know, it, it, as long as you can play, you'll find the field. There's so many corners that go in the late rounds, go undrafted that really make a big impact. Uh, it's like, obviously it's nice to be a first rounder, but that's one of those positions where you're more likely to succeed as a late round pick. That's true. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is who do you, do you think there was a steal from the AAC? And if so, who was that? If there was a steal in the AAC, I mean, I think a couple guys, I, guys, I think James Wiggins in the seventh round was very late for him. Another I guy mean, to Arizona. Yeah. I thought that was surprising how late he went. I thought he could have been an early day three pick. Uh, you know, Trey Nixon mixed, missed a lot of time. He ended up with my Patriots. I love that pick for them. I thought he could have gone a little higher than that too. Uh, you know, looking here, I got Blake Prohl, who I talked about in our uh, little segment that we did with the CUSA guys. I'll say a little segment, was a whole show. Uh, but the CUSA guys beforehand, I thought that he was going to be drafted. I thought, I think he's in a great spot with Minnesota for him to succeed. Uh, Kenny Gainwell going to Philly. I think that was a good guy. I was going to say Kenny Gainwell is my top one. I think him dropping to the fifth round is insane. And I think Philly got an absolute steal there. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the main ones for me, like looking up and down the list. Uh, The two lane defensive ends went a little bit later than I thought they would. I thought sample was going to be closer to like the, he was the fourth round, right? Cam Sample. Um, yes, I believe. Yeah, I he thought was he was. To I thought he Cincinnati. was a. Yeah, I thought he was a day two guy. I thought uh, Turner going in the seventh round uh, was. Uh, I'm saying Turner. Am I getting the right name? Yeah, I mean, I thought that they Patrick Johnson. You're thinking Patrick of? Johnson. Yeah, I don't know why my brain just sort of went out on me. That's I don't right. think there was a Turner in the draft. <laughs> Patrick Johnson going in the seventh round was. Uh, frankly, a steal at that level because he is, I know he's not the greatest athlete by the NFL standards, but he's an incredibly technically sound player. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bunch of those guys out there. Yeah, I think that there were a lot of guys that maybe benefited from not having a combine and or maybe that they even if they didn't get to show what they could do, they still – found a way to still get drafted mm-hmm. i think the biggest benefiter of a pro day has to be jacob harris oh yeah uh, a guy who's not even considered the best maybe even top three receiver on his own team uh but he puts together a monster a monster pro yeah. day and you know we talked about this on the pre-draft podcast that we did with the conference usa guys that Jacob Harris is a guy who he's super athletic. No one's taken that away from him. And the Rams obviously took a flyer on him, but to take a flyer on a guy in the fourth round who it's, it was way too high. It's, it's kind of like I, the Turner pick. I think that this pick was worse than the Turner pick just because I do too. You, you got a guy who is super raw as, mm-hmm. as if, I mean, he's very athletic. He can get open, but like we talked about, he struggles catching the ball at times and, you're not going to last in the league long if you can't catch the football. Yeah. I heard that the Rams actually drafted him as a tight end instead of a wide receiver, or at least that's their intent is to see if he can move in line a little bit more. 
which makes some sense with his size. Uh, it made no sense to take him in the fourth round, though. This is a guy who I don't know if I would have drafted during the draft if I was an NFL GM because he has so much trouble tracking the ball. He's got so much trouble with his hands that, like, it's fine that you can run open, you're so fast, but but you can't catch the ball once it gets thrown to you. And that's just such a basic part of being a wide receiver. You know, and we talk about a lot about like, oh, Marlon Williams, Trey Nixon, they were hurt because they were running a simplistic route tree. Why do we never talk about that with Harris? He was running the same route tree, just go. Right. right. It's because you know, he's athletic and has this crazy six, five and not yeah. 5'11. I get it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Trey Nixon has the potential to be maybe one of the next great Patriots receivers just because he he pays attention to the details of route running and he runs great routes and has the Mm -hmm. quickness to get open to create separation. I was a little surprised that Marlon Williams didn't get drafted. It was his pro day. He had an awful pro day. For all his numbers were slower than he wanted them to be, a little lower than he wanted them to be. He measured closer to 5'10 than 6 feet. It was just... It was not a good pro day for a guy who was that productive. Uh, I think he ended up in a pretty good spot as a UDFA, though, with a Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, good as in wins the wrong word, but I think it's a good place for him to go and get a chance to play. Yep, I agree. I also like uh, Riley Patterson from Memphis, mm-hmm. goes to Minnesota. You know, Minnesota needs a kicker in a bad way, and they've needed one for probably an eternity, but, you know, I well, think that's a great, great spot yeah. for him as well. Uh, speaking of Memphis, though, is there another player that whose stock dropped more than Demonte Coxy? Yeah, I, I figured you were transitioning to Coxy there because I went back after the draft and was just going through the list. I go, wait, Coxy never got drafted. I just did. He get signed? Sense. I could not find. He is anything. currently unsigned, based on everything I've been able to see. I know uh, that was yeah. I'm shocked by all that. I don't know why, because he was such a productive guy. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'll tell you why. It's because he he's not great at creating separation. And like he's a magnet. So if you get the ball yeah. to him, he's going to catch it. But the problem is that he's always – it's kind of like the Laquan yeah. Treadwell issue. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, he can win in those physical situations, but in the NFL, you're, like, you're not going to win more yeah. than you did. Jalen Ramsey's across from you, and he's yeah. just – yeah, you're not winning. Breathing on, it doesn't I, I get, matter. I get that. I'm still surprised he's not at least getting in a mini camp invite as of right now. Right. Uh, speaking of Otis Anderson, just got his today. He's going up to Tennessee. Say, I, saw, I saw that. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes most of the UCF guys at this point who went into the draft have a team. Uh, uh, is Greg McCray going anywhere? I didn't see anything. Not as of yet. I thought he wouldn't. Those him and Anderson, I was like, ah, it's going to take the right team to get them. Anderson, I think you could use as like a Theo Riddick type receiving running back if you wanted to and get a little, and he's good on special teams too. So you've got uses for him if you wanted. It's just NFL rosters are small, so you might not have a spot at the end of the day. Greg McRae, he's undersized. He has an injury history. He's a good one cut back, but he also hesitates before the line of scrimmage. I don't see, I don't see him ending up in the NFL. Yeah, it was the you know you kind of have the 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 top guys. We were we weren't surprised because they got drafted, and then there's a couple guys like 
you know, Shane Bichelle goes to Kansas City, which is just like the best situation for him. Like, just yeah. sit behind Mahomes and eat popcorn yeah. while he just does his thing, and then go in there say, once like, in a while. The Shane Bouchelle wasn't going to be a starter in the NFL, anyways. You may as well go somewhere where there's going to be a lot of wins, right? Yeah, uh, and it was you know there are there are a lot of guys that are very talented from the AAC that got to go and get drafted, and then you know there's a few other guys that I think that will thrive as undrafted free agents they'll be able Mm -hmm. to do some some great things but i think what i thought about as soon as the draft was over is that next year's class might be maybe the best the aac's Mm -hmm. had maybe in terms of like elite talent i mean amon garner is probably a lock for the first round Mm -hmm. and i i also read the other day that he so he was 6-2 last year and i saw a tweet from him now i you know it's from him, so who knows how valid this actually is. But he said he's now like six three, six four, which is absolutely insane. I uh, oh, you know. I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna go. You know, Ali Green from Tulsa is there too. It's gonna. How be old do you stop growing? Because I feel like I stopped growing right around eighteen. Oh yeah, I mean, like growing growing's kind of like a loose term for me at five seven. So you know, it's just like, okay. well, I haven't well, had. I, I'm six two as it is now, and I still wasn't <laughs> making the NFL. So. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like, uh, well. I think it was. If I had just grown those extra inches, I would have been able to walk on to to teams in college. I know. It's just crazy. I hear all these people are like, oh, yeah, I'm growing. I'm like, I stopped growing when I was like 15. It's just like, what what is this? This is not fair. But, yeah, (laughs) I mean, you look at that. You look at Allie Green out of Tulsa. Uh, Caleb Evans, who's in the transfer portal now, but he's a, he's going to count for Tulsa. I don't care where he transfers to. <laughs> you got some DBs that are going to be high value picks. Uh, Garner mm-hmm. for sure. I'd be surprised if, unless he tanks this year or gets hurt. I would be surprised if he's not a first round pick. But mm-hmm. I think next year there's a lot of guys that we'll be talking about. We're not going to do a way too early preview right now, but I think it's going to be yeah. an exciting class to watch. Yeah, I do too. I know that. With the transfer portal now, it'll be interesting to see who actually ends up playing where before we get going too long. Because, I mean, I UCF brought in like two transfers in the past two days, so it's hard to keep up with the rosters. Let alone do a preview for the next year's draft before uh, before we even get to the season. So it's we'll put the brakes on that for now, I guess. Right? Yeah. We'll uh, we'll preview the season before we talk yeah. about the postseason um, events for 2021 yeah i'm not gonna let you start telling me that dylan gabriel's gonna skip his senior year of the uh already yeah right exactly well that's a perfect transition uh obviously dan's gotta hit the road so we'll keep this pretty brief and you know we, we covered a lot so i i don't think there's yeah. really much more we need to talk about uh if you enjoy the podcast obviously make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast Make sure you're following Underdog Dynasty on all social media. You can follow Dan at Dan underscore Morrison 96. You can follow me at Joe Broback. And the next time you're going to be hearing from us, we're going to be looking forward to the 2021 season and doing some previews. So let's get excited. Mm-hmm.